Hare Krishna, and welcome to this uh, event of the GBC Strategic Planning Team. It's a series about the GBC history entitled All You Ever Wanted to Know About the GBC But Never Had the Courage to Ask. When we say GBC, most of you know, means Governing Body Commission of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, founder Acharya is Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Today will be part two of this uh, series. Now, if you missed part one, uh, you should not worry. You should not worry for two reasons. First of all, because as they say, nobody is perfect. And second, because you can find part one in our uh, YouTube channel. So you go GBC SPT YouTube channels and you can watch part one. So uh, I have also a PowerPoint for you and our Ananta Shesh Prabhu will uh, start sharing his screen. So or all you ever wanted to know about the GBC but never had the courage to ask, today, part two, the beginning, it was a different is gone. And before we start with part two, I just want to give you a quick review of part one. Next. So we touched, we described three different aspects. Number one, next. Godia Vaishnaviv's style of leadership. It's collective and collegial. We could say the Goloka approach as opposed to the Vaikunta approach. This is the tradition in Godia Vaishnavism to have a group of, leader, of leaders collaborating together. We discussed that. Second thing, we discussed that Srila Prabhupada wanted the GBC to lead a worldwide society, a worldwide movement, a worldwide organization. Number three, Srila Prabhupada wanted the GBC to be spiritual leaders, not just administrators, not just managers. So I hope that in part one, these three ideas were clearly exposed. So let's move to part two. Next. So Srila Prabhupada always had this intention to create a, a governing body commission. So this is a letter from October 69. That means uh, nine months before he actually formed the, the, the governing body commission. And this is a letter to Tamar Krishna, at that time not yet Maharaj. He was not yet initiated as sannyasi. I beg to acknowledge receipt of your debt letter dated October 12, 1969, along with a copy of the West Coast President's report of the meeting held at Berkeley. Gradually, this meeting should develop into a committee of the West Coast Presidents. And similarly, there should be one for the East Coast. So in the future, we can form a central governing body for the whole institution. 
as we will see, the movement was very young. Uh, at this time, there were only a couple dozens of temples at the time of this uh, letter. So, also devotees were very, very young. Hmm? But Srila Prabhupada had already very clear vision. Let's organize West Coast here. You're talking about the West Coast of the United States, the Pacific Coast, uh, East Coast, of course, the Atlantic Coast. Let them be organized as, as temples now. Hmm? And then later on, let's form a governing body for the whole institution. Next. So I don't expect you to read this because it's very, very small print. This is the direction of management is the document dated 28 July, 1970, in which Sheila Prabhupada established the GBC. Um, I want to point out about the structure of this document. Srila Prabhupada first introduced himself, uh, how he came to the West. Uh, then he lists the temple, that the temples, the centers at the time mostly were uh, small operation like storefronts. Lists the temples, the centers of ISKCON, uh, mostly in North America, but uh, a few also in Europe. Then, uh, and also other parts, Australia. Then he says, now we grow. Uh, we're growing and I'm 75 years old. I could be out of the scene anytime. So it's time to delegate responsibility. And then he lists the first 12 GBCs. Hmm? And uh, he says that they will serve as zonal secretaries and at, the, at his disappearance, they will be known as executors. They will be executing the will of the founder Acharya. They will uh, work uh, to fulfill the seven purposes of ISKCON. Mm -hmm. Being an executor, it's a fiduciary position. Mm -hmm. It's a great responsibility or, or trust. Then, he, after listing the 12 names, he says that uh, my disciples have come up with some idea of how this governing body should work. And then he quotes the what you see in yellow, highlighted in yellow. That's the part that the disciples proposed to Srila Prabhupada and that Srila Prabhupada accepted. But it's very interesting. I find it very interesting. And it's also very important to understand the structure of this uh, document. The highlighted parts are disciples of Srila Prabhupada, they speak, in fact, they speak of Srila Prabhupada in the third person. And the rest, Srila Prabhupada speaks in the first person. Okay. And why this is important? It's important because, uh, frankly, I don't understand why, but for someone, this document is a bit controversial. One reason being that the disciples propose that the GBCs will be elected by the temple presidents. Hmm? And Srila Prabhupada did accept. It's a fact. Srila Prabhupada accepted the idea. But it was never done. Srila Prabhupada never organized such a vote 
by the temple presidents to elect the GBC. And as we will see in this part today itself, uh, the rule was changed. It was an idea, it was never implemented, and it was formally changed. It was formally changed in 75. Not only that, Bashir Prapa also confirmed the, the way of selecting a GBC member by the existing GBC members later on in 1977. So frankly, I don't know why uh, this uh, controversy about this, uh, this document, uh, I mean, about, especially about this uh, idea of the election. It was an idea by the disciples, Shira Prabhupada uh, uh, agreed, never implemented it, formally changed it later. So what's the big deal? Things change, laws change. That's the nature of, of a society. Um, next. So since this is the beginning of the GBC, 1970, uh, the rest of the series will be taking a look at the first 50 years. Uh, uh, we are on the 51st year, but we'll take a look at the basic, basically the first 50, 50 years of GBC. And the first phase, yes, next. Yes, next. The first phase, we would call it Srila Prabhupada's presence, the years from July uh, 1970 to Srila Prabhupada's departure, November 1977. So those seven years and a few months in which Srila Prabhupada was directly guiding uh, through instructions, through corrections, through many other ways, the fledging governing body of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Next. So this is the birth date of the GBC. Next. So there were 34 ISKCON centers, 12 GBCs, an average center for each GBC 2.83. In other words, three centers for each GBC, which is not too overwhelming. You, know, you have to see, you oversee the operation of three storefronts, three small temples. The age where uh, this, the, the first GBC were in their 20s and early 30s. So they were, they were young, young men. Next, race, 10 white and one black. Next, nationality, they were all American citizens. Seniority in ISKCON, maximums four years because ISKCON was established in July 1966. So the most senior devotee had four years in the movement, but mostly less. And then in at least one case, one GBC was only in the movement for six months. This also shows the eagerness of Srila Prabhupada to establish this as soon as possible, to create this legacy, to impress on the devotees that how he wanted the movement to be managed with a, an ultimate authority of uh, the governing body. Next, ashram status, 10 griastas, one brahmachari. 
In fact, yes, next. Sannyasis not allowed to serve as GBCs. That was the original intention of Srila Prabhupada. He intended the sannyasis to preach and teach, and the griastas, or in some case, or brahmachari, to actually administer. So dealing with the communities, uh, uh, dealing with the temples. Uh, but the, the sannyasis should be aloof from the management and uh, the administration. And we will see that they very quickly change this rule. Next. So this was a picture of what is going on the 28th of July, 1970. Uh, next. So the center's location, 23 in the USA, three in Canada, six in Europe, and two others, one in Japan and one in uh, Australia, I believe. So most centers were small operations, and we want to emphasize this because compared to the operations now, they were very simple. Now Nowadays, you have a temples which are very big, uh, practically no temples at deities, San Francisco at Jagannatsu, Baladev. Uh, I'm not sure if it's in 69, there were other, other uh, installed deities. I'm not sure, maybe, I, I don't want to speculate, uh, but if they were, the, it was not like today, sometimes some temples that have three altars, need many pujaris, there's the whole community, uh, children, uh, elder devotees, very complex uh, congregations. Uh, at the time, there was practically no congregation. All devotees, all the members of ISKCON were living in the temples as uh, practically full-time missionaries. Almost everyone was in that. So in one sense, it was a much simpler operation. Plus, uh, one GBC had only uh, three of these uh, storefronts or, or little temples to, to, to supervise. Next. No congregational communities, no schools. There was one farm, the New Vrindavan. Hmm. Next. Now, let's take some excerpts from the direction of management, the management, she the proper words. These personalities are now considered as my direct representatives. While I'm leaving, they will act as my zonal secretaries, and after my demise, they will be known as executors. So, Srila Prabhupada took this very seriously. He calls these devotees, although they were very young, my direct representatives. Hmm. But imagine the, the gap of experience, of age, uh, of spiritual advancement, of knowledge of the Shastra that there was. But Srila Prabhupada accepted them as direct representatives. This is, uh, I find it extremely uh, important to how Srila Prabhupada intended the GBC to be in function. Next. So uh, let's take a look, the host, the society culture, one little quote from a, a letter. Next. It is a fact that the hippies are our best clients. 
this is the same month of, of establishing the GBC. So this is was the climate of, of the uh, era. Um, most devotees, or, or at least the major percentage, came from the hippies, uh, people who had already uh, kind of left home. They were ex experimenting, traveling around, experimenting often with drugs uh, and other behaviors, we could say alternative behaviors. And so that was the background of, of the devotees, most devotees, and also including uh, the, some of the GBC, at least some of the GBCs. Okay, uh, next. Now, the technology at the time, let's not forget, the communication was mostly by snail mail. Srila Prabhupada was running the society through letters, handwritten or typed letters. There were no computers, no personal computers, no mobile phones, no internet, so therefore no email, no websites, and no social media. So that was the, this is a snapshot of the technology in 1970, 51 years ago. Uh, some of you know this, remember this. Some of you, for some of you, this may be a prehistoric uh, description. But this was the moment and the technology at the time. Next. Now, the two years later, sannyasis can now be GBCs. What happened is that uh, that was not Srila Prabhupada's intention, but then he observed he started giving sannyasis. The first one was in 67. He gave four in 1970. I mean, he started with four. He gave a couple more. So um, there were more sannyasis. And Shri uh, Prabhupada saw that these sannyasis were very energetic. First of all, remember, they were also very young, late 20s, early 30s. They had a lot of energy, a lot of youthful strength. They were moving around, traveling intensely, uh, doing a lot of outreach, a lot of, of, of propagation. They were very bold in going anywhere Shri Prabhupada wanted them to go. And some of the griastas, maybe they were not so dynamic, you know, they tended to be at home, they tended to be in their temple, you know, their families, maybe children. So, uh, Observing this, Srila Prabhupada changed the rule. This is one of the first things he changed from the direction of management. He, uh, he decided that Sadiansis can also become GBC. Just to give an example, next slide will show a letter. <clears throat> it's a letter to Madhudvisa, 12 June 1972. So two years after forming the GBC, recently I have given Sanya's order of life to Rupanuga, Satsurupa, and Bali Mardan. And I have made Brahmananda the GBC man for Africa. And I wanted that you should be the GBC man for South Pacific zone. So being Sanyasi is no hindrance for being also GBC. So Srila Prabhupada is explaining, it's a new thing. In fact, Tamal Krishna Maharaj, he was one of the original 12 GBCs when he was not a sannyasi. 
Next year, he took sannyas and he renounced the position of the GBC because that was the rule, that was the standard. You take sannyas, you're not the GBC. But Srila Prabhupada next year changed and he started uh, inserting uh, sannyasis in the GBC. We have a question, online question from Ramanatha Sukhaprabhu. When will the ISKCON constitution come into existence? Prabhupada wanted this accomplished in the mid-70s. What is preventing the GBC from completing it after four decades? Okay. Um, I happen to be a member of the committee who is working on the constitution. It's a fact. Srila Prabhupada... In 1971, for instance, he wrote to Giriraj Maharaj, at the time not Maharaj, that we are in the experimental stage. That was 1971. But the GBC will have to, I'm paraphrasing, will have to uh, establish a constitution how the GBC will uh, manage the whole affair. So it's a fact that the uh, Srila Prabhupada wanted the constitution, and it's a fact that the GBC also wants a constitution. Now, the work is going on. Our humble group, which includes uh, uh, three GBCs, uh, another devotee was a Srila Prabhupada disciple, uh, two GPC ministers, and so on. Uh, They're already working on the fourth draft. In 19, no, sorry, in 2019, the third draft was circulated to all sannyasis, gurus, GBCs, GBC deputies, Sabha members, and others. And we got the feedback on that uh, version, draft three. And... Uh, Right now, we are working with uh, weekly meetings and also some meetings with the GBC. We are working on uh, integrating the, the feedback, uh, the comments, the suggestions, and so on. Yes, it, it's taking some time. Obviously, uh, the GBC is a large group. There are 35 GBCs. So it, it takes uh, some uh, work to bring everybody together to a consensus on something so important as the constitution of ISKCON. So sometimes even a word uh, takes some dialogue to get it right because it's a very important uh, document. At the same time, let's not forget that in these 50 years, so many GBC resolutions were passed and many of them, uh, besides those that were about specific individuals or about specific uh, instances, many of those resolutions became ISCOM law. So the GBC has a vast, vast or relatively vast body of legislation already produced. Yes, we don't have technically a document which is called constitution, but it's not that uh, we don't have laws. Hmm? There are entire countries in this planet that don't have constitution. They are based on 
legislation passed by the uh, by the legislative um, assemblies, by the parliaments, and so on. So it's a work in progress. Uh, we could have another series on the constitution. This is not that series, so we need to go back to the topic at hand. Thank you for your question. Hmm. Ruchira Devidasi says, we all lived in the temple during Srila Prabhupada's days on this planet. Men, women, angry astas, I feel it is a little misleading that only these sannyasis were doing the big preaching. Uh, I never mentioned a big preaching, uh, so I may certainly agree with you that it would be misleading if somebody said a big preaching. I don't think I ever said that uh, big, the word big preaching, but it's a fact. Uh, it, uh, thank you for bringing it up because it's a good historical point. Everyone, as I mentioned, everyone, or almost everyone, was a full-time missionary. Mm. So if you like to use the word big preaching, yeah, everybody was doing the big preaching. And of course, uh, the sadhyasis being free, they could do more easily more easily, not exclusively, what we may call the intercontinental or international uh, preaching, because it was uh, it definitely is, it was and it is harder for griastas with uh, uh, with the spouse and children to move around the world. It's not impossible, you know. The first uh, three griasta couples that moved to London, uh, Shamasundar Malati. They were the parents of the little Saraswati, but they left America. They went first to London, then they followed Srila Prabhupada uh, to India. So definitely there were a few Griastas also that they would do some uh, international preaching. Uh, but definitely it uh, was more natural for, for uh, the sannyasis to, to move around. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the chance to make that, uh, to emphasize the point which I already made. Let's go next. Fast forward three years to 1975. So we are in 1972. Sannyasis now can be GBCs. Uh, 75, let's see a few resolutions from 75. So they give us an idea. 14 GBCs, two were added, the zonal assignments listed as either cities or countries, continents. The intention was to keep zones manageable. This is a resolution. Resolved, GBC has divided zone as follows, based on recommendation of Srila Prabhupada, that GBC members should have jurisdiction over no more than about six temples. So that was the general idea, one GBC, six temples. And then, of course, the movement uh, at one point really uh, expanded, exploded. And uh, right now, of course, generally a GBC supervised much more than, uh, than six temples. But that was the, the situation in 75. Next.
Nonetheless, huge zones are assigned. Ridananda Goswami, all Latin America and the Caribbean, Madhuvisa Swami, Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, Fiji and the Philippines, Gopakrishna Goswami, they're all of India and most of Southeast Asia, Brahmananda Swami, the whole of Africa. And of course, in some case, these places may not even have the six centers. So it, it, it might still fit in the, in the idea of no more than six uh, temples. But still, we're huge zones. Imagine that in some cases, the whole continent was given to a, a GBC. Next. Direct decisions on BBT matters, in some case, resolved. Rameshwar Das is appointed trustee of BBT. Resolved, the East Compress will be moved to Los, Ange Los Angeles. Next. Direct Sannyasi's deployment. Trivikram Swami and Tushta Krishna Swami will remain in Mayapur to assist Jayapataka Swami. So, there are less Sannyasis. And uh, so the GBC sometimes will directly uh, deploy them in particular places of need. Next. The election idea is dropped, is formally dropped. Resolved, the selection of GBC members is that Sheila Prabhupada will nominate. There will be no election and the present GBC member will remain. Okay. Remember, this is uh, in 75 when Srila Prabhupada was present, when Srila Prabhupada would uh, uh, read the resolution, discuss the resolution. And even before this, for the five years before this, Srila Prabhupada never held one election for the GBCs. Next. Accountability and legal protection is highlighted. Resolved, an annual oath of allegiance should be signed by each GBC and temple president. So ISKCON started organizing, understanding the importance of legal, legal arrangement, uh, legal documentation. Before it was more kind of spontaneous. Now, no, the people should be should be bound by legally enforceable documents. Let me take a question from Sumit Basak. After Srila Prabhupada's disappearance, many members of ISKCON left the movement. Yes, it's a fact. How did GBC was able to handle this thing and brought them back in the movement? Well, uh, not everybody was brought back into the movement. Uh, some people left spiritual lives. Some people maybe uh, joined uh, other branches or formed other branches of, of uh, Vaishnavism, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Mm, people have free will. Uh, so not everybody came back to his and not everybody, unfortunately, came back to spiritual life. This thing is also going to repeat in upcoming day in ISKCON when many sannyasis won't be there in their physical presence. Is there any plan in GBC to prevent it? Well, um, it's not really like that. We already have experience that uh, after Srila Prabhupada left, um, many gurus left, you know, is Tamakrishna Maharaj, Bhakti Sarup Damodar Maharaj, uh, 
Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj, Sridhar Maharaj, many others. I mean, it's a long list. It's a growing list, Bhakti Charu Maharaj, uh, last, last year. So we see that uh, in many cases, the disciples stayed, uh, stayed in ISKCON, uh, stayed devotees, stayed serving. Um, some disciples live, live spiritual life or they have problems even when the Guru is present. Some, they have this issue, they have these problems after the Guru leaves. But there is, uh, there is this unfortunate uh, phenomenon, uh, both when the Guru is alive or when the Guru uh, departs. But we have seen, we already have uh, uh, more than 10 years of experience seeing Gurus leaving the world and seeing the disciples, or most of the disciples, remaining serving in ISKCON. So, our observation or history does not support this idea that when the sannyasis will leave, many people will leave. Thank you for your question. Uh, next. Issues start becoming more complex and international. Hmm? Resolve, the GBC must resolve the problem. Indian life members are complaining that they are not getting the books due to Indian temples spending BBT funds on maintenance. We're talking about 45 years ago, so don't take it uh, as an actuality a statement. But now the GBC has to deal with international issues, complex issues that five years before, five years before there was no uh, uh, life members uh, as such, uh, or, or there were very few, so, yes, things start getting complex. Next. International collaboration is promoted. Resolved. The GBC members should cooperate to send men to ISKCON Africa. No, Sri Papa wanted to uh, develop ISKCON Africa. He visited Africa, I believe, five times. And so this was known to the, the to the GBC, so the GBCs, uh, and because most devotees were missionaries, were uh, full-time uh, propagators, you could say, then, you know, so the GBC will encourage them to go to Africa. Next. The seed of big data is planted. The seed. There was no computer, there were no databases as such. But resolved, an information card will be kept on each devotee containing personal information to be kept on file at the temple he's staying in, and another copy will be kept by the GBC. So 75, there is this idea we need to know about our members, our devotees. Uh, information card doesn't give much detail, name, uh, where they serve a little bio whatever it was on the information card but the idea that we should know where are the devotees uh who are them how many of them and so on so uh, the seed of this idea was planted in 1975 formally okay next now Srila Prabhupada confirms his desire that the gbc leads the whole of iskon uh, next, this is in the declaration of will. We are coming towards the final 
days, months of Srila Prabhupada, June 1977. This is the first line. The governing body commission, GBC, will be the ultimate managing authority of the entire International Society for Krishna Consciousness. So this is the first article of the will and testament of Srila Prabhupada. And it fully confirms what he had already stated in 1970 when he formed the GBCs. Now, uh, Srila Prabhupada was not always happy with the performance of all the GBCs. Some of the GBC had spiritual problems while Srila Prabhupada was present, so they left their service. Sometime, and remember, these were still very young men and relatively young devotees. Uh, in 1977, when Srila Prabhupada left, the most senior devotee was 11 years in the movement. Mm. But even before that, uh, for instance, in one occasion, there was a group of GBC men that... Uh, they got together, they formed a quorum, quorum meaning a minimum of number of people that uh, can vote, and they passed some resolutions. But it was irregular because they did not even invite the rest of the GBCs. See, the rule in any company, board of directors, uh, council, that you invite all the members of that group. <laughs> and some may, may not be able to attend, it happens all the time, but uh, at least you have to invite all of them. But in this case, they did not invite even everybody, so they just got enough votes, they took some decisions, and Shia Prabhupada was very upset. They put somebody as a, like a general secretary, Atreya Rishi Prabhu, and Shia Prabhupada said, look, I never even made him GBC, and you give him so much power, what is this? And must especially, he said, look, you call this meeting in an irregular way. So whatever you decided is null and void. And he was so upset that he wrote to the, all the temple presidents in the world, and he said, disregard the GBC for the time being. Hmm. So you have this tension. Srila Prabhupada wanted to give power, wanted to give authority, spiritual and administrative to the GBCs. But in his presence in those seven years, sometimes the GBC demonstrated some lack of uh, maturity, some lack of expertise. Um, in another occasion, for instance, one GBC wanted to centralize all the temples of North America, but centralized in a very radical way. The idea was his idea was, let's create a corporation and uh, all the money collected in all the temples will be sent to a central part, to a central point, and then from this point, it will be uh, distributed to all the temples. And Srila Prabhupada had different ideas. Srila Prabhupada said, no, the, let, let the local temples be autonomous. No, unity in diversity. Let the Temples collect, manage, administer, become strong, uh, co connect with the local government, and so on and so forth. So he dismantled this idea of radical centralization. For certain other things, 
Srila uh, Prabhupada supported centralization, like for instance, for the BBT. He explained if every time to produce books, translate books, uh, print books, it will never happen. So for larger operation, you need the, a, a higher level of uh, coordination, which you can call centralization. But for certain other things, he was very, very against. So Srila Prabhupada had to deal with some of these immaturities uh, by the devotees that they thought sometimes to have great ideas. Like this idea of uh, somebody was calling an umbrella corporation. Huh? And Srila Prabhupada said, I heard it from a contemporary leader, he said, this umbrella will go crack. Hmm? And in fact, uh, for instance, because Srila Prabhupada registered separately every, every ISKCON in North America, when there were certain uh, cases, court cases against ISKCON, like the famous, for those who are into ISKCON history or who were around since a long time, the famous Robin George case, uh, the, 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 the whole ISKCON North America was uh, saved because of the arrangement, they could not be sued, all of them. So they could only sue the temples where this teenager actually had stayed. So Shri Prabhupada, wisdom in, in that arrangement became obvious. Next, so June 77. Now we'll see the last two recorded in the Bhaktivedanta database folio, a mention of the GBC. This is a room conversation, 5th November. Shira Prabhupada left 14th November, 1977. He reiterated the institution depends on the GVC. Next, last quote that we could find about the GVC. I wish that you GVC manage very nicely. So it should be very clear. It was one of the priorities in Srila Prabhupada's idea of his mission, that there should be a governing body commission at the guide, at the helm of the whole International Society for Krishna Consciousness. I see that there are some uh, uh, comments. Uh, we have uh, Duvid, I don't know if it's a real name or an internet name, so, GBC has official paperwork submitted in the U.S. is subject to U.S. law regardless of the belief system. And GBC is by definition under the authority of non-devotee legal and court systems. Oh, sorry. There was something before. GBC has two dual aspects, spiritual law and material law. Material law is subject to the government and institutes that enforce the law as opposed to spiritual law that is based on the belief system. And there is was something I already read. And then the third, as opposed to the ethical will that has no to limited legal implication as things like money and buildings or management in general cannot be put under spiritual law or enforcement mechanisms. I'm not sure what this devotee is trying to say. Uh, one uh, sentence caught my eyes. 
that the GBC is under the authority of non-devotee legal and court systems. If you want to exist in this world and operate in this world, you need to obviously uh, collaborate uh, and obey um, or follow the existing laws. Um, Srila Prabhupada wanted the ISKCON to uh, be incorporated, in other words, to have a legal identity. Legal means uh, recognized in the court of law. Uh, he did personally that in, in India, for instance, he personally uh, registered ISKCON in India. He personally registered ISKCON in New York in July 1966, four years before creating the GBC. So yes, to operate uh, in this world, to own buildings such as temples or farm, uh, one needs to follow the, the law of the country and adapt to what the country offers. In some, in some countries, ISKCON is in the category of religion. In some country, it's in uh, the category of non-profits. Uh, and in some countries, uh, it's underground because those countries, they don't allow or recognize uh, certain religious uh, groups. So I don't see what's, what's wrong with that. Um, I'm not aware of any time Shri Prabhupada spoke about uh, being registered or owning properties according to the laws of the state, the laws of the country. Uh, we have another uh, contribution by Ramanath Suprabhu. Why does the GBC become involved in who can and who cannot become a guru? Okay, good question. Prabhupada says in the Nectar Instruction that even a Kanista can give Diksha and be a Guru. The Guru-Disciple relationship is a personal spiritual relationship and is therefore not subject to managerial legislation. So it would seem that the GBC has overstepped its managerial authority in having a list of who can and who cannot accept disciples. Thank you. Uh, now, uh, you might or might not have seen the first part. In the first part, I believe I firmly established, based on Srila Prabhupada's words, that Srila Prabhupada intended the GBC to be not only a managerial body, but a, he wanted them to be spiritual representatives and act like he was acting. And certainly he was not just acting as an administrator. So that aspect should be historically firmly recognized. Now, gurus. Srila Prabhupada empowered the GBC to discuss who should become a sannyasi, for instance. Srila Prabhupada asked the GBC to establish who should become a bhakti shastri or bhakti vaibhava. In other words, what are the exams? What are the standards? Now, the GBC has delegated this to the Board of Examinations, hmm. like that. So, uh, Guru is a service. Uh, the Guru is a spiritual guide. Hmm? There are Shiksha Gurus. There are 
Diksha Gurus. You're talking about Diksha Guru here. I'm not aware of anything in whatever Srila Prabhupada said in the books, in conversation, in letters, and so on, lectures, that goes again, the fact that the governing body commission as the ultimate managing and spiritual, theological, philosophical authority establishes certain norms, certain standards, certain processes to become guru. If anybody can uh, show me any quote from anywhere, could be in the Shastra, it could be in Srila Prabhupada's vast body of, of words that goes against the principle that the governing body commission should not establish standards. That's part of their duty, to establish standards for all the aspects of the society, for becoming temple president, becoming Bhakti Shastri, becoming sannyasis, uh, and becoming uh, spiritual masters. It's a very important service. And the GBC, as the guardians of Srila Prabhupada's society, Srila Prabhupada's family, uh, they should say it's, it's their duty. Hmm? Not only their right, it's their duty to establish norms who can initiate disciples. And those who know ISKCON law, they also know that the GBC involvement in uh, approving guru is minimal. I'm not going now into all the details, uh, uh, but it's an ISKCON law. How you become a guru, um, there is a, a local council hmm, of at least 10 people who know this person and uh, they discuss this person and uh, they say, yes, we think that based on their history or his or her history, uh, based on his or her devotional service, this person can give shelter. This person has a very good uh, understanding of the philosophy. He or she is loyal to uh, Shastra, to Shri Prabhupada, to Parampara, and this person can give shelter, is already giving spiritual guidance. And so this group, I'm simplifying the procedure, but basically that's it. This group of at least 10, including local GBCs, including leaders, temple presidents, so on, senior people, they send the names to the GBC. Now, uh, generally that's it. After six months, if there is no request for review, if no GBC requests a review, then after six months, this person approved and recommended by the local leaders who know him, this person can start initiating. In some case, if some GBC requests a review because he wants to know more, because maybe there is some concern, and then it's discussed at the GBC level. But in the process, of adding Diksha Gurus in ISCO, the GBC involved is minimal. I mean, the governing body commission involvement in adding Gurus is minimal. And many times I've seen in the correspondence, some name comes up 
the GBC corresponding secretary brings a name and it says the local area council discussed this devotee, give the history. They all agree that this person should start initiating disciples. It comes to the GBC, there are no comments. After six months, this person can start initiating disciples. So two things. First of all, uh, this uh, great involvement of the GBC in uh, uh, approving guru is a myth, doesn't exist. And second, and more importantly, even in principle, there is nothing wrong. Huh? It's nothing wrong that the governing body commission of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness established the process, the qualification, the training, the screening for taking such an important service in the society. So there is absolutely nothing wrong. And I don't know why people have a problem with that. In other words, the two things are not mutually exclusive. The two things are not mutually exclusive. Um, you say, well, it's a spiritual relation, the disciple uh, likes a guru and so on. Yes, but the fact that the society establishes the standards for that does not exclude or does not, uh, in fact, in fact, protects the spiritual relations. Okay, I see more comments from Duvid, whatever is your real name. Maybe it's your real name, a D with uh, five O and Vid. I doubt it, but just making a point, the GBC tried to combine the two aspects as opposed to outsourcing material aspects to non-devotees or even different devotees with different expertise for different aspects. And the difficulty of gurus who can advise on correct doctrine, belief, practice to legal matters causing a conflict of interest. Generally something lawyers in America would advise against. I'm not sure what, what we're trying to say. Uh, about uh, delegating aspects, outsourcing, you use the word outsourcing uh, to different devotees with different expertise. Yes, the devotees, uh, the, the GBC uh, does that. Um, for instance, uh, there is a, a, a GBC, one of the most recent GBC, Devakinandan Prabhu, uh, based in Singapore. He is also the general counsel of the GBC, it means it's like the lawyer of the GBC and he advises the GBC in all legal matters. And he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer with international experience. He's still a practicing lawyer in Singapore. So it's normal that the GBC or anybody, the local temples or anybody will engage people according to the expertise. The devotees were doctors, so we go to them when it's a question of uh, medical health. The devotees are lawyers, we go to them when it's a legal matter. They're devotee architects or engineers, we go there when there's something to be built. Uh, so you're 
it seems you are recommending something which is already done. Yes, the bodies are engaged according to their expertise. Hmm. Okay, so uh, thank you for your questions, your comments to everybody who contributed. We are almost at the hour uh, time, or the full hour. I have maybe one or two more slides. Next, Prabhu. Okay, coming up next in part three, should be the next Saturday. After Srila Prabhupada left the decade of the zonal Acharyas, 1978-1987. So we'll share some highlights from uh, this period, this like the first 10 years after Srila Prabhupada. So, uh, many thanks to all those who have uh, been with us. Many thanks to those who will uh, watch this video later. Many thanks to those who share questions and comments. So, stay tuned for part three. Hare Krishna.